Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi there, and welcome to Lawrence Delalio's Lions Podcast with my special guest, Ben Kay. All right, Lowell, how are we? Just pouring you a pint of London Pride. An outstanding pint, if I might say so, and the official beer of the British and Irish Lions, which is what this podcast is all about. Yeah, and it takes skill. Right, that probably rules me out then. Dedication. Indeed, indeed. And time. Yes, it takes all of those things to get into the Lions squad. Oh, actually, I was talking about the skill, dedication and time that goes into brewing an ale like London Pride. Oh, absolutely. But it's the same if you want to be a Lion and to play with Pride. There you go, mate. Thank you very much. We've got our pints, lol. We're all set for the match. And this podcast in partnership with London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Cheers. Cheers. And remember, please drink responsibly. Lawrence Delalio's Lions podcast brought to you in partnership with Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Hello, welcome to my podcast and it's my great pleasure to welcome you all to the Turk's Head in Twickenham, a uh, London Pride Fuller's pub. As usual, I'm joined by my good mate Ben Kay and also back by popular demand, uh, my even Better mate, Rob Henderson. Rob? It's great to be uh, on the podcast again. The only reason that I've come back for a second stint is to sample this wonderful, wonderful pint of Fuller's London Pride. <laughs> and also joining us this week from the Evening Standard uh, is Simon Collins. Simon, uh, good evening to you as well. Thank you for joining us. Slightly uh, better looking, posher version of uh, Will McPherson. <laughs> I think I've bolted in as the, the last man into the squad, so I'm happy to replace Will and hopefully live up to his high standards. Where is he, by the way? What's his, uh, what's his excuse? Uh, he's at a wedding. Okay, very posh one, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I think restrictions are over, so he's, he's partying. Is he a page boy? <laughs> <laughs> if he is, I want to see the photos. But Well, listen, welcome one and all. It's been a, um, an action-packed week of rugby, isn't it? An action-packed week uh, in social media. I'm reliably informed um, and, you know, lots of comment after the game. I don't know how all you guys found the match at the weekend. Quite stressful, I think, was uh, pretty much what we'd say. A game of two halves, to be fair. Yeah, a, ga- a game of two halves. Um, would you have backed the Lions at half-time? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't have done. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen social media today. Uh, Razia Erasmus has had a 63-minute rant on Vimeo. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. 63 minutes, which was about how long South Africa lasted at the weekend. Um, so the, the, the players have taken it from the coach, clearly. But, uh, but myself personally, I thought that, that South Africa were in the ascendancy. They had a couple of things that went against them. The video ref uh, got the decisions right. Well, he was South African. How could he go against them? I mean... Well, he, he got the decisions right, I think. But if, uh, if Elende hadn't have passed the ball forward and then been in front, then it could have been a completely different match. So there's obviously plenty for us all to discuss um, from last weekend's game. Ben, um, so many moments to talk about from Warren Gatlin's bold selection right at the start. You know, clearly, I always said to people, and we we all know this because we play Test Rugby, you know, games are not won in the first 20 minutes. They're not hopefully lost in the first 20 minutes, although the Lions did a good job of doing that, to be honest with you. but they're generally one in the last 20 minutes. And there was a feeling that, that South Africa took their best players off the field and the Lions brought their best players on the field. Yeah, I, I think the scene was set in the first 20. You could see what they were trying to do. And actually, we, we talked about it being a battle of the game plans and, and who, whichever coach's game plan, that sort of game that it turned out to be would be who came out on top. And that didn't really happen because South Africa were more suited to a stagnated game. It's the slowest game 
statistically, there's been all tour for either side, actually, even when uh, South Africans played Georgia, the least amount of ball in play time. Uh, the South Africans had 41 uh, bits of possession and kicked it 90% of the time. They kicked it away. So it suited their style of play, but I think they did just run out of steam a little bit. The Lions tried to pick up the pace early, and that's probably what cost them. They were trying to go around. South Africa made a lot of mistakes in trying to do that. And I just think that you know it was a bit of rustiness. So I think some of the selections we've seen this week are probably with an eye on the fact of that it's going to be a very different encounter. It's probably going to be quite tasty. I think there's going to be a bit of niggle in there. I think Razi Erasmus's video alludes to that, trying to get somehow trying to get the uh, the, the officials on side by telling them how shit they were. Um, <laughs> you know, but I think he I think he thinks that. It's gonna, there's going to be a lot of decisions that are going to need looking at, and he wants to make sure that he's highlighted all the ones that went against his team last week. Simon, Ben and I played uh, a long, long time ago, but uh, we played in a, in a test match in Pretoria in 2000 where they introduced the TMO for the very first time. And the TMO, unfortunately, lived just around the corner in Pretoria. And we had a try disallowed by Tim, Tim Stimson, Stimson yeah. and South Africa went on to win that test match. How, for the life of me, 21 years later, are we in a situation where the Springboks are playing the British and Irish Lions and the TMO lives just around the corner in Pretoria? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I cannot understand it. I mean, am I, you know, off my head? I mean, obviously I am, actually, to be fair. But, <laughs> but how can world rugby allow this situation to be that this, the TMO, you know, and I, and I feel very sorry for the South African because he's got it and he's totally compromised gone into a test match thinking if I award this try everyone's going to think I'm biased and if I don't award the try my house is going to be burnt yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly but, you know and I mean th there has to be an element of responsibility here for more world rugby to sort this out yeah right? 100% and I think the blame is on world rugby for putting Marius Jonker in that position and, and they will blame you know the pandemic and the situation we're living in but let's be honest this is a tour that is years in the planning and the amount of detail that goes into it, you don't have a contingency plan in the world we're living in in case you need another TMO. And the fact there's Marius Jonker, you're perfectly wrong, because the situation he is in is either he gets blamed for being biased as Africans or he gets blamed for being, you know, he wants to be so impartial that he favours the Lions. And so I felt for him in that situation because whatever happened in that call with the kick for, you know, Willie LaRue going through, he was going to be judged one way or the other. And now we're going to have two tests more of it and it's going to be under scrutiny again, and, and Razzi has ramped it up even further by spending an hour dissecting the game and brutally you know, assessing Nick Berry's performance, which I think he's gone too far. Yeah, he should, so have, stuck, order, he should have stuck to EastEnders, really, shouldn't he, to be fair? <laughs> I mean, let's get straight into the nitty-gritty. Those big decisions, it was a forward pass anyway, by the way, before you know, anyone was worried about whether LaRue was in front of the kicker or behind the kicker. And, the, and, and it begs another question, and obviously Ben and I are very... Oh impartial on this having worked for BT Sport and ITV but the coverage of the of the match itself left a lot to be desired I thought um, you know maybe controversially I'm going to say this but I'm not sure where the television pictures were coming from but we know that when Razzie Erasmus well I mean <laughs> not, not we know that when there is a major incident to be discussed in a game there are millions of, of camera angles and the TMO, who was also South African, only seemed to get one or two camera angles to make his decisions. I think he rushed, rushed both decisions and I think potentially got both wrong. I, I thought the pass look, needed to be looked at again. He glossed over that very quickly, um, but it needed to be looked at again. I'm, I'm happy to say that it might, might have been a legal pass or it might have been slightly forward, but he looked at it once, decided. And then the, the in front, I actually think he gets wrong. South Africa should have had a try. If he's decided that tries backward, that the pass is backwards, there's no way you can overrule. Because he'd given the on-field decision as a try, you have to have clear. It's not like VAR where a fingertip yeah. can, you know, drawn a line. It has to be cast iron that he's, that he's in uh, front. And I don't think he was. I think he was level with him enough for it to have been given. And I 100% think that Warren Gatland, by having a massive storm about the, the TMO being South African, won that battle. And that's why Razzie's now uh, put his video out into the sphere. What, what's interesting is of those 27 clips that the referees got wrong, funnily enough, none of them were clips that went uh, against the uh, British and Irish Lions. So he, he's obviously been completely biased one way, according to Razzie okay. Rasmus. Rob, 
being right on the front foot here, we've got, to, we've got to attack here, haven't we? Do we think it's acceptable that the head coach of South African rugby is allowed to be a water boy on the side of the pitch and relay messages to his team? Um, do we think that the head coach of South African rugby, given how much online hate there is on social media, is allowed to make tweets about the match itself immediately after the game? Surely, World Rugby have got to grow a pair and do something about that, haven't they? I mean, I, I don't think that's acceptable. You know, I really don't, that a head coach can behave in that way and one, be a water boy and do what you're not supposed to do, which is coach the team. He, he didn't put anything out on social media. He said... No he does, said, really. what a brilliant uh, performance by the Lions. They fully deserved it. And then uh, Jaco <laughs> Johans, who had, it was following three people, the British and Irish Lions, Maro Atoji and Alan Wynne-Jones, been around for years, obviously, three people he's followed. He then put the clips up. So obviously it wasn't Rassi in disguise. Jaco is also is an egg. He's got no picture on Twitter. And, and Razzi follows three people on Twitter. He follows Maro Atoji, Alan Wynne-Jones... And Yako Johan. That's it. He doesn't follow anyone else apart from those three people. And he just happened to have... Yako was brilliant at clipping up refereeing decisions that went against South Africa and, and Razzie spotted them and highlighted them. In, in fairness, I think that Razzie's probably found his level um, as Waterboy. Um, because, because coaching the world champions uh, is, is quite a difficult job. Should he, should he be there? To be honest with you, you, you mentioned it in the car on the way back down. That, and, he, and he kept spraying me with pickled onion monster munch. But... <laughs> But the point being... Which you bought, actually. <laughs> which I did buy and you didn't want. No. Yeah. Um, I've forgotten what the point was. I want to I quickly go back to what you said, by the way, about the TMO being just around the corner in Pretoria. Because you know all the tests are being played in Cape Town. No. It's 1,416 kilometres. Now, that is a long well, walk okay, for a cup of sugar. Okay, all right. Either way, he had a South African scarf and shirt on. Yes. Oh, well, there is that. But, but getting back to Razi Erasmus, should he be able to do that? I, th I think he should. Um, are we as individuals and as, as communities able to use social media? Of course we are. As long as there's nothing uh, derogatory and there's nothing bulletin, etc., etc., he is as able to put something up as, any, as the next person. There's nothing stopping Gatti putting something up about the 245 at Chepstow. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, so he's well within his right. He's well within his right to be able to, to, to air his opinion. And as long as he doesn't there, step there's on There's air in your toes. opinion and then there's yeah. an hour-long video. I mean, I think it's very yeah. disingenuous. Yeah. I mean, we could put a picture of, you know, Skulkberger, you know, with his fingers in Luke Fitzgerald's eyes. I mean, you know, after the test match, you know, in 2009 and go, actually, have a look at that. Do you think that was... Is there an element that, you know, a few people have suggested that he's trying to deflect away from the players? Yes, make his point that he wasn't happy with a few of the decisions by, by overdoing it. But his players lost what should have been a really commanding position. And, and I actually, at half-time, I, I thought the Lions were still in it, only because they'd been played off the park, but it was still only 12-3. And I didn't think that was enough for South Africa. And, and uh, although they're very good at holding on to a lead, you know, with their lack of preparation, and, and the Lions have had so much more rugby preparation out on the field and the fitness does make a massive difference at that level that's why south africa tried to slow it down so much and uh, you're right the bomb squad yeah. took off their best players didn't they? Let, let's just talk about the tactics of the first test because i was lucky enough to speak to warren gatlin the morning of the first test and he was still making sense very coherent and i was saying to him you know what what are the tactics for the game he said one our discipline has got to be absolutely spot on which clearly in the first half was a car crash Secondly, we've got to win the aerial battle, which seems to be such a big thing in rugby at the moment, which is why the wingers, outside of catching the ball, only touch the ball two or three times. And we deliberately want to try and keep the ball in the field of play. So other than clearing for touch in their own 22, the Lions actually kept the ball in because they wanted to move the South Africans around as much as possible, which is why maybe in the 50th, 60th minute, you know, they were looking tired and we brought them on. So we have to, in many ways, give Gatland a bit of credit for the way that they actually tried to play the game. But just tactically, Rob, um, both sides look really nervous in my mind. I mean, I, we played in a lot of test matches. They looked nervous in, that, in the opening exchanges. It looked very edgy, looked very scrappy. No one, South Africa clearly didn't want to play any rugby at all. And the Lions almost overplayed, really, in that first half. 
Well, they did, and the the uh, the desire from the from the Lions team to get off to a good start, having um, having lost that match against South Africa a couple of weeks previously, was probably uh, in the back of their minds. The, I think we all knew that uh, South Africa would come out for 60 minutes. They'd be big, strong, tough, quick, aggressive, in your face, potentially get ahead. And one thing that we haven't said tonight, by the way, that I think we should put great testament into Warren Gatland and the squad and the coaching staff and the entire team is the fact that Warren was brave in his selection. I think there were some people there. Anyone here would not have picked that starting 15. Well, Ali, Ali Price, definitely. I mean, well... Um, no, I wouldn't. And he played brilliantly. Yeah, right and correct. But, but, so it was a brave decision for, for Gatti to do that. And the thing that we're not highlighting is the fact that the Lions stood up against the world champions for 60 minutes, got a battering, um, and then in the last 20 minutes turned it round, brought on some fresh legs, changed the tactics slightly, and, and went on to, to win the game and win the game comfortably. And I think we should focus on that part of the performance rather than the TMO, rather than Erasmus, rather than anything else, and look forward to this Saturday with Gatti having changed it up. It All right, have you read my script? I mean, we're, we're, we're not quite there yet. But... Hang, on, hang on a second, your, your script He's is... Right. You're, you're right, though, because... Colour in number two's green, <laughs> number three's blue. You're absolutely right, because we're all saying that it has to be played a certain way for this team to succeed, and, and it wasn't. And they still got through it and found a way to get it done. And, and yeah, there were a couple of decisions, but they still stayed in. And you mentioned the discipline being a car crash. It wasn't the first half, but they won that battle, eight, eight penalties to South Africa and one to the Lions I mean, in the second a, half. So it was a tactical pivot. Yeah. You know, the first half, everything that went wrong could have gone wrong. And in the second half, everything that went yeah. wrong in the first half was completely pivoted. So, but Ben, you and I have been in changing rooms at half time, as we all have when we've been losing. You know, what, what would the messages have been at half time? I think it would have been, it could, this could be a lot worse on the scoreboard than it actually is. And, and you w they would have known that South Africa's legs were going to struggle during the game. And, and, and they're almost, it's not, it wasn't a calculated ploy, but with hindsight, you could almost sort of twist it that way. That it was almost rope-a-dope, you know, let, let South Africa punch themselves out and then you know, come through at the end. I don't think it was. I think, I think the Lions were trying to force the pace early on, partly to tire them out, but they wanted to play. Like, in, in the previous warm-up games, the first receiver's been tipping it on a lot and moving it. Everything was running straight at the likes of Etzebeth, high up, and they were getting smashed. And they took their, they took their punishment, but they found a way. And, and having that balance off the bench of Murray, Farrell, who are good at closing games out, I think was, was really important. I think we'll see different tactics this weekend because you've almost got those guys early and you're saying to South Africa, no, you have to... It's that park the bus for the second leg, isn't it? You have to win this game. You come and attack us. And then we've still got some, you know, some stardust in, in the backfield with, with Van der Merwe and, and Hogg to try and do what South Africa do and sort of just, just use brilliance of players to score you know, one moment in the game that, that changes the whole perspective. Rob, you won a first test against Australia in 2001 and then obviously, you know... We, we then went on to lose the next two. Nothing mm. to do with you. Mm. Um, Nathan Gray obviously took Richard Hill out and you know, Johnny threw an intercept and, it, and the game just is fine inches. You've been involved in a, in a team that's won the first test. What's the mindset going into this, into this game this weekend? Thanks for bringing that up, Lil. Um, yeah, in 2001, we won the first test, beat the then world champions comfortably. Uh, went out in the second test, probably a couple of coaching decisions that went wrong. Uh, Nathan Gray taking out Hilly wasn't great, but but we went into that game knowing that if we performed equally as well as we did in the first test, that that we wouldn't have an issue. Yeah. The unfortunate thing was that we were held together with vinegar and brown paper, which I don't think is the issue this time round. I mean, we were overtrained massively. I mean, 40 minutes a day is enough for anyone, really. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's not, let's not 40 is how many fags you have a day, well, mate. Well, there is that as well. <laughs> there is that as well. I mean, you've, you've got to have time to relax, Noel. And... Um, I, th I think the squad for this weekend, I mean, this isn't going to be groundbreaking, by the way. I think the squad will be going in full of confidence, having won the first test. That's genius, isn't it? That's gold. You can have that one. You can have that one for nothing. Um, well, I, sorry, what we need for nothing is, you were, t you were talking earlier on about when you were rooming with a few guys on that tour in 2001. It was your first roommate, I mean... My first one, uh, I mean, the wonderful thing about the Lions, and I think this Lions team has done it brilliantly, is that they've got an equal blend of players from all across the four nations, and they've gelled together very, very quickly, and, and getting that uh, composite group together 
um, having beaten each other up club-wise and internationally for four years and then being uh, able to go and take on the Southern Hemisphere in their own backyard and this time around the World Champions is a very, very difficult task. I mean, I was very fortunate that, that uh, my first roommate was, um, was a guy called Austin Healy. <laughs> difficult to ignore, well worth the effort. Um, I didn't really see him that first week, I had a nice few pints, but when we actually got out to Australia, I was fortunate enough to room with Jason Robinson, consummate professional. So we'd get back to the hotel room and I'd be sitting down there with uh, Jason Robinson, quarter to seven. Um, I'd be putting my uh, packer of ban on to go out for the night. I'd come back in <laughs> at about three o'clock in the morning and, uh, and order a, an omelette. And of course I'd wake up what Jason. Was, you, was, that, was that your sort of weapon of choice? That's the go-to. <laughs> Because if well, you, when it, I knew you, it was a doner kebab with extra chilli sauce and onions. Yeah, but I, I didn't want it repeating at training the following day. So if you have the, if you have the omelette and chips at three o'clock in the morning, you can skip breakfast. <laughs> I guess you, mate. That nutrition, they, you could teach them a thing or two. So waking up Jason at three o'clock in the morning, saying, Jace, 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 do you want a, an omelette and chips? Do you want an omelette and chips? No, no, no thanks, Hendo. So we had this for a week, and anyway, we'd won the, f- we won the first test, lost the second test. We're going into, into Sydney for the final test, and the, t- and the team uh, is announced again. And the rooming list is announced again, and uh, you could see Jason Robinson turn the colour of the froth of my fantastic pint of London Pride uh, immediately. And then he just walked up to Graham Henry and said, Graham, if you expect me to go out there to perform to the best of my ability, to be part of a team that's got a chance of beating Australia in their backyard, the current world champions, there's no way I can room with that prick. <laughs> so normally on a Lions tour, the only person that gets their own room is the captain. Well, I felt like a captain that week. I had my own room. It was magnificent. <laughs> what goes into the decisions? Is there any... Like when you join up to the talk and you say there is no way I'm well, rooming these, with. These guys, by the way, are rooming on their own, and that's the other challenge that we must lay out there. That you know, it's a very, very different experience for this group of players. They're on their own. They are wearing masks everywhere. The country is ravaged with COVID. You know, it's it's a it's a very different scenario, yeah. completely. I mean, I room with Keith Wood. I mean, he snored like I wouldn't you wouldn't believe the first time. <laughs> I actually carried his bed out, put it outside Jerry Guskett's room. <laughs> Seemed to work. He hit the winning drop goal, I don't know, but um, yeah. Was that the one night you used your room? <laughs> <laughs> it's very professional, Rob, you know that. It's very prof- I mean, when you're 24, you've got, you know, you've got everlasting batteries, haven't you, really? So it doesn't matter. <laughs> Training, not a problem. Going out, not a problem. Training and going out, definitely not a problem. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fair? I think so, and the one thing is that if you do go out, you're always the loudest on the training paddock in the morning. Benny, you've probably been there and done that before. Uh, yeah, well, I do remember, not, not Lions related, but World Cup in 2007, and we'd had a big, well, pre. It's another final we made. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, exactly. In Portugal, myself and Mike Cat stumbling in at six in the morning, uh, having had a, a decent night out, and bumping into Johnny, going out to practice his kicking, <laughs> and the look of sheer disgust on his face. We were quite old at the time, older than him, and uh, we felt like little naughty schoolboys coming back in in front so of him. Cassie said, Johnny, you think I taught you everything, I know. <laughs> quite taught you everything, I know. But there are ways that you've just got to be secretive and then make sure that the people that catch you, uh, you pay them a lot to be secretive. <laughs> Who was the best and worst roommates? Um, I don't know. I mean, the Lions is... is I mean, it's funny, really, isn't it? Um, you know, you get, you, you get to room with people you've never met before. You get to room with, um, you know... Mark uh, Regan. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> Eric Miller. Eric Miller was completely bananas. Yeah. Actually, this is a true story, I think. Um, when we were playing in South Africa in 97, Eric Miller was actually picked for the first test in, at number eight. Um, so the back row ended up being Tim Robber, myself and Richard Hill. But Eric Miller was picked at number eight. And we arrived um, the, the week of the first test in wherever we were. And the South, the South Africans always leave you a goodie bag in your, in your room. So <laughs> goodie, went through the goodie bag and there's you know, various, you know, Buravors or whatever it is, you know, vitamin tablets. Anyway, the doctor, James Robson, our first team meeting, he said, guys, hopefully none of you have touched the goodie bag. And <laughs> Eric Miller had obviously eaten everything in it, <laughs> which included some some banned substances on the on the. So poor old Eric Miller actually, te- you know, was not officially allowed to play in the first test because he he tested positive. <laughs> <laughs> 
You've probably got a few Eric Miller stories, haven't you? You play with he, him, he, Well, he's the only person that made Lewis Moody look bright in <laughs> uh, the last team. Um, I think the, the, the good one was he, he, uh, he had a, a car, so someone gave him a car, a sponsored car, but it was a guy that supported the club and he said that um, whatever you do, don't tell the rest of the lads or they'll all be banging on my door. So he spins into training in this sponsored car. And uh, car uh, I can't remember what it was, but, it, but he spins in and uh, all the lads are like, that's a brilliant, where'd you get that from, Eric? That's, that's amazing. He said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That was his response to, to, to making sure no one knew where it came. Okay, so I think before we move on, we should probably just talk about the moments of the game from that first test, just to have a little reflection. Simon, um, we can talk about the opening first half. By the way, the first half, the Lions have only ever come back twice from being down at half-time in the history of the Lions, both times in Australia. And the deficit that they were behind is the biggest deficit that they've ever been behind at half time so what they did last weekend was create a bit of Lions history one that they came from behind and two that they did it by the biggest margin that they've ever done so we've got to give them an enormous amount of credit and, and the South Africans never lose a, a second half the yeah. last last couple of years I think since 2017 they haven't, they haven't lost a second half so it's pretty good going so I think the moments of the game for you for any of us I mean there, there's probably quite a few I mean, the Owen Farrell penalty is obviously massive. And that was, you know, you could argue is one of the moments of the game. You know, the fact that they took their best players off, we brought our best on. The mm. fact that Alan Wynne-Jones was still on the field at the end of the game. I mean, how did that happen? I mean, you know, how did that happen? <laughs> I mean, how does he do that? Did he dislocate his shoulder or is he just Superman? I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, that is, it, it's incredible. I can't quite understand it, really. Um, the, the, the substitutions, which I thought were kind of timed to perfection, because every time... You know, we brought someone else on that made a massive impact. And for those of you who follow rugby, you know, the World Cup, obviously England, Mako and Carl Sinclair got a you know, bad rap saying these guys can't scrummage. You know, they brought on their bomb squad and we brought on, you know, the bomb disposal experts. I mean, you know, literally <laughs> we completely nullified everything that they did. In fact, our scrum actually got stronger as the game wore on, which is why Mako's now been picked in the side. So... I mean, if you could pick out one or two moments yeah, that, that I mean, I the thought there was a, a key moment just towards the end of the first half. The South Africans right on the line and Itoje steals the ball. Yeah. And, and it, was, it was classic Itoje because he plays so on the line where he's either brilliant and he's stealing ball or he's getting pinged for penalties left, right and centre. And I felt last week was one of those games where Marrow's at his best where he's just imperious in everything he does. And again, right in the last minute, he was the one who stole the ball Lions win the ball back and, and kick it for touch. And that's the thing with Itoje. He's so on the line, he's either brilliant or he's giving away penalties. But when he's performing like that, I thought he was absolutely outstanding last week. And Rob, for you, any sort of key moment or turning point from that game? Uh, Other than, you know, Gatlin at half-time, which clearly made it... Because the first thing they did in the second half was put the ball up in the air and the kick chase was the best kick chase it's been for the whole game. Yeah, agreed. But for me, I mean, it was, uh, it was during the second half... Um, I was actually at a, an event in, a, in a, an establishment in, on the Kings Road in Fulham and there were majority South Africans in the crowd and one of them saw things were going south and actually brought out some biltong, which was lovely. That was my moment of the match. It was great. Um, for me, I think, it, I think it was Gatti making the right decisions at the right substitutions at the right time. Um, there's a lot of players there that, as you say, have been getting a bad rap recently. I think Mako, Farrell to an extent. Who, uh, who, let's not forget, was voted as one of the, the most senior guys, if not the most senior guy in the squad by the players uh, beforehand. It was a surprise when Alan Wynne-Jones got injured that he didn't get the captaincy over, over Conor Murray. And I, th I think that when they came on, they galvanised the team. And, and, and for me, it was that collective. I can't, I can't pinpoint it down to, to a kick or a steal or anything like that. It's just that the bench came on, solidified what the Lions were doing and actually carried us through in the last 15, 20 minutes. And Benny, the, the second row battle was massive. It was always going to be with what South Africa have got to offer. I mean, one, Alan Wynn, two, Maro Toji, and we've got to mention Courtney Laws, haven't we? Well, I was, about, I was about to say that was, that was my moment um, because all the big moments in the game where it needed some big point. Well, you mentioned the kick. You've mentioned Marrow. I was going to say those as well. But for me, the thing that stood out was the Lions line-out was creaking a, a little bit in that first half. 
Uh, and Luke Karandicki obviously would have been a bit jittery. He had to throw that throw for the line-out drive that ended up in the try, and he gets it absolutely bang on, but the South Africans read it, and Courtney Laws has to wrestle it off the fingertips of, of the, the defender against him up in the air. He wins it perfectly. They land, and because the South Africans have gone up, when they landed, the Lions were in a much better shape straight away. As soon as they landed... Anyone that's sort of been there knows they've won that battle. It, it should be a try because it's very difficult to stop a try legally if you're all wrestling upright like South African were and the back of the Lions Mall looked like a perfect scrum shape. And uh, so to do that in the most high-pressure moment where you've had a couple of wobbles, and you mentioned Courtney Laws, he was by far and away the most... Uh, effective line-out jumper for the Lions. And, and also and, the most effective ball carrier because yeah. actually I thought you know, what, what, what struck me was how physically dominant the South Africans were defensively. You know, you got a lot of ball carriers. No one could really break the line. I mean, Elliot Daly got knocked into next week. There was one, one or two others that were as well. And actually very few of our carriers were actually making dents. People seem surprised by Courtney Laws being good. <laughs> He's got 80, what, 89 England caps, I think. Yeah. He is a fantastic player that can play in two positions and will do a job for... He's, he's a little bit... I guess he's one of those players that the, the players love playing with. He's a bit like Richard Hill. Doesn't do anything that you can put your finger on that much during a game, but he just does everything right and he takes people's legs away and he'd be one of the first names on, on my team sheet. He's had terrible problems with injuries this yeah, year, yes, yeah. but he's got up to speed so quickly. He only, he only played about four games this year, but he's got used the tour to get up to speed and you know it was between him and Marrow, I told you, for Man of the Match, wasn't it? Well, listen, before we um, uh, chat about the upcoming second test, we've uh, got a test of our own. Uh, Simon, you're in charge of the drop kick challenge this time around. This is the drop kick challenge with Fuller's London Pride. Outstanding amber ale, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. It will is filled me in on the scores. Um, is it 15 all? I mean, it, um, uh, uh, Ben is currently leading. No. Yeah. No. I mean, not in my mind. He's <laughs> no. <laughs> he's currently ahead by six points. But Rob, the good Rob, news I need, is, I need some help here. Come on. There is. There's plenty of points on offer on offer this week. So the theme this week is around uh, your Lions numbers. So every player who joins the Lions gets a ceremonial number. So Marcus Smith is number eight five five to play for the Lions. So question one. Right, there's nine points on offer here if you get Ooh. all these three. So two of Warren Gatlin's assistant coaches played in the successful Lions tour of 1997. They are, of course, Neil Jenkins, who's player at number 665, and also Gregor Townsend, who's player at number 669. So can you name any one of the three players who hold the numbers 666, 667 and 668? I reckon I, I reckon I can. I mean, I should know this because I'm 661. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. I can't. Ben might struggle a bit. I, I'm not sure. But, I mean, you know, we I mean, don't follow each other in. I mean, it's not to do with, you know... Well, it's not to do with what time you get in, is it, really? I mean, you know... But I... Well, do you know? I mean, I think... You go first. I think one of them... I mean, 666, you've got to be worried about that, haven't you? Is Scott, is Scott Cornell... I think Scott Quinnell might be one of those players, 666. Um, Scott Quinnell is 666. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> he's still, oh, no, he's still got a guess. He's still got a guess. Yeah. So between I mean, I mean, J, Q, T. So it's, it's in alphabetical order for... You can tell his dad was the director of public prosecutions, can't you, really? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to go for someone we've already mentioned because he was on that tour and it would have been in one of the warm-up games. So I'm going to guess Tim Stimson. No. <sighs> Who are they? Lawrence, you, wanna, you can come in and claim, to, can claim some points what? back here. Stimson, no, it's just, it's just quick while we're here. I've won that round. We've done well there. Let's move, let's, let's so the, move. Other, the other two were Simon Shaw. Yes, wonderful. He and, was Tom, there. and Tom Smith. He was at the lunch today. Wow, amazing. Great okay, line. Great question, line. question two, Great final, final question. Lawrence, you obviously said your number is 661. Can you name the players who are either side of you? So 660 and 662. Metaphorically, Jerry Guskett and Jason Leonard, but I mean, clearly, when it comes to the numbers, no. Uh, must be, I don't know, Dawson? 
Lou. No. Cat. I've got, yeah, a I've got to name the ones closest to him, have I? You've got to do the ones who are closest to you. Oh, what was my number again? <laughs> <laughs> your, your number was 731. Oh, yeah, it means a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Three, what, 731? Um, okay, okay. Do they do it alphabetically? I'm yeah. sure I'm No, what is it done on? No, it's done on appearance. Oh, Stephen oh, Jones? No. No. Another Steve, though. You've got one more. Oh, Thompson? Yep. There you go. And the other lad was Shane Horgan, was the other one alongside you. And Lawrence's were Will Greenwood and Nick Beale. The scores after that are Ben is on 24 points and Lawrence on 18. So, still playful, still playful. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. So let's take a, a closer look at the news that's coming out of the camp. I mean, I suppose all the, all the, all the news this week has been about Razi Erasmus, I yeah. guess, and everything he said. Is there, is there and, anything And there was an interesting... An interest, so obviously all the pressers are on Zoom now and uh, we logged on for Gatlin to do his team announcement and, and Yako Johan logged into this Zoom call. <laughs> So everyone's suddenly a bit, you know, what's, what's what, going on? What, and Zoom, waiting for Zoom, you. Zoom, Zoom is, is, is Yako going to come and speak? Is Yako? And he, he sort of gets lost. There's about 60, 70 names in there because you've got you know, broadcasters, radio writers. So it gets sort of forgotten about. And then in the end, the next day in the sun, you might have read in the second paragraph, it goes, you know, Yako Johan dropped into the press conference. And it, it sort of transpires. Everyone's asking, like, what's Yako? And basically turns out that Owen Slot of the Times... Changed his name to Yako Johan and logged into the call. And by the time the Sun reporter had found out, it was in Wednesday's newspaper that Yako Johan was in the press conference. Did Gats mention anything about the whole? Yeah, he Gats. must have been. He must have been asked a lot of questions about what Rassi's been doing. Are we expecting something before the Test match from Gats? I don't think Gats he must is be a, throwing a, hand is a grenade. prolific. You know social media video but he was no, also but very diplomatic the way he did but he, he loves the mind games he hasn't got a clue has yeah. he <laughs> and I think um, it was interesting because obviously the video of, of Razzy came out today and so Alan Wynn was the one who was having to bear the brunt of it and, and in the video you know Razzy makes a point saying well the referee was showing more respect to Alan Wynn than Sia Khaleesi you know he was he was being disrespectful to Sia and Alan Wynn's getting bombarded with these questions and he just sort of flat batted it not interested and I think for, for the Lions, they've, they've already won that initial mental battle, which was last week with Maris Jonker. There is yeah. no benefit for Gatland or any of the Lions to go firing back and yeah. riling Saffron's up because they've already done it. Yeah. They've already won the mind game. There's no Absolutely. point to and drag listen, it out. And as we all know, the, all the pressure is now flipped on South Africa. Let's talk a little bit about the team selections. Hendo, you for the Lions, are they, are they the right selections? You know, Ben mentioned that Gaddy got his selection. They were quite bold in the first test, believe you me. Had the Lions lost that test match, there would have been a lot of criticism around the team that he picked. As it turned out, he got it absolutely bang on because the Lions finished with their best team on the field, I think, and it won them the test match. I mean, that last penalty from Owen Farrell was fantastic. Do you think the changes he's made are the right ones? And then, Ben, I'm going to come to you on South Africa because I think, you know, Janchi's fly half is a liability and he's obviously he's been removed. Um, and I think South Africa, their selections are a lot different, a lot stronger. But first of all, Rob, on you, on, on the Lions selections. Yeah, well, I mean, anyone that gets onto uh, any squad that goes out with the Lions, every single player there is, is worth a, their merit on the plane, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
he picked a, a, a different type of team, as we've already mentioned earlier on today. I think Mako coming in, he'll be chomping at the bit to play 60 minutes. Absolutely chomping at the bit. Before the actual kickoff of the first test, I thought the spine of the team was going to be uh, soft and under pressure. I thought Alan Wynn coming back from a shoulder injury so quickly, even though he is an absolute aura of a man and an enigma on the field, I thought was, was, was going to be a well, strong... It was a risk, wasn't it? It was a risk. It was, it was a huge risk. Um, I thought Conan at number eight, um, if Keelan Doris was fit, he'd be on the tour and Conan probably wouldn't be, but Conan's played himself in. Um, Elliot Daly in the centre of the park, I think was definitely a, a, a weak link. And Hoggy at fullback, you don't know what you're getting. This time round, he's put Harris in. Harris was unlucky not to have started the first test. I think he's been brilliant in the Six Nations. Um, and I think he's, he's toured extremely well. And he'll give a bit of solidity in the middle of the park. Alan Wynn and the Toji, outstanding last weekend. And, and in fairness, uh, I think Conan stood up as a number eight and took some good go-forward ball. So... He strengthened the team. Conor Murray coming in at nine. I am surprised about that one because I thought Ali Price did play extremely well and I think bringing Conor on. So, so it kind of leads you and steers you to where Gatti's going to go with his tactics for the game potentially. But it's, um, it's, it's tough, Ben, isn't it, to make changes for the sake of making changes. When you beat South Africa and you win a test match, you yeah. think, well, you can knock on the door and say, well, why have you changed I, the team? I think the only thing... I think Elliot Daly, stats don't always tell the, the whole story and he was given ball wasn't he he was he was literally shoveled on oh nothing quite on here go mate do something with that but he actually didn't score on any of the stats like zero meters made and he he missed three tackles i think that's why he's out because he didn't have a chance to do what he's good with with ball in hand and he missed a couple of tackles and harris that's his that's his real strength he's the glue big hitter um so i think that's why and again it's a bit part of the bus isn't it just make sure that what's, we've, what's, we've got the lead you've got to do everything attacking what, wise what, we'll do, you, try what, and force what do you think the reason the thinking is behind Fanatel sort of being on the bench i mean do you think because the pressure's on south africa and they might try something and well, the game might break up yeah well exactly on? so i think they've swapped ex- the whole ethos of what they're trying to do and they've gone right we're gonna we're gonna make you play force you to show your hand and then when it opens up a bit, we'll, we'll bring a slightly looser player on. I think South Africa struggled with that last week in that they didn't have Dwayne Vermeulen, who's their, yeah. their big yeah. talisman. They, they, they tried to play two open sides in effect and it didn't work. So, um, yeah, they're going to come direct and they're going to change, change that this week. And I think the Lions are going to try and defensively absorb that. And then when it when they tire, they'll bring on a little bit more attacking flair. And Ali Price will have a huge role to play. Yeah, he will. Because it's actually, you know, what do you want? Do you want Ali Price in a slowed down game, or when there's a bit of space around the breakdown, do you want to bring him on? And I think that's what what Gatlin's I mean, done. I've been lucky enough to play in a Test series in South Africa where we won the first Test, and all I can say is that. I think it's the words of Ian McGeekin, actually. There's only one thing more dangerous than a Springbok, and that's a wounded Springbok. And trust me, they will absolutely come out of the blocks. Like, you know, they will be better for the fact that they've played a game. They looked off the pace. They I looked... reckon that's why Rassi's done this. I think he's going to tell his team to go out and, and try and wind the, the Lions up, try and throw a few... And he's going to hope that the decisions go his way. And easily, you could see this test match. Who, who is refereeing, by the way? Do I mean, uh, Ben O'Keefe. Okay, you could see this O'Keefe test match being decided by a card, couldn't you? But it feels like a Hail Mary from Razzie that he's gone. Because he says in the video, he says, you know, if this means it's a fine, I'll accept it. If this means I can't be water carrier, I'll accept it. If this means I've got to step away from being involved in this test series... I will do it. He's, he's basically thrown everything at this because he thinks he needs to do something. Well, you, to could argue, you could argue that's desperation. Yeah. And, um, but you know. he'll definitely turn up in a, in a disguise. <laughs> yeah. As Jaco Johan. As the water well, bottle, I think, water I think bottle I carrier. I should wear a lion's face mask. I think that would be the best. I mean, that, that would be... I, I think the, the one thing we haven't spoken about as well is actually the lion's bench. We mentioned earlier on that uh, the, the, the bomb disposal squad came on and you think the better, the better players were on the field at the end of the game. I'm surprised that Williams has been dropped off the bench and that, that Daly's been put on. Williams didn't put a foot wrong, obviously, but, uh, but you've already got attacking players there in, in Watson, Hogg and, uh, and, and the spring jock van der Merwe. And, and I think with Williams on the bench, he can cover all three of those positions. Elliot, I think, has been shown that he's, he's probably just a fullback. He got, he got exposed a little bit, whether he got good ball or bad ball in the centre. So without putting a foot wrong... I think well, Williams be, is very unfortunate not yeah, to be still it, in that it be squad. Wouldn't it be ironic if, um, you know, we know that Daly will be on the field by the end of the game. 
And wouldn't it be ironic if he hit a 65 metre penalty to win the series? <laughs> yeah. He's got it in And I think that is why he's got it in his... You know, that's why he's on the bench. I'll, I'll have a tenner on that with you. Well, you know, Stain, that's what Stain did to us, wasn't it? And, mm. you know, you never know. This game is not going to be won by a lot of points. It could be a penalty here and there. I mean, that was stressful viewing, wasn't it, last week? That last 10 minutes. Well, I mean, that kick-off at the end as well. You know, we've all been there. It's like, just, all you got to do is catch it and kick it off the pitch. <laughs> Somehow, they got the old claw around there and they got the ball. Where, where were you watching it? I was in Jersey. I got, got the impression you're not the person to sit next to oh, watching no. a tight well, no, Lions I, test no, match. No, no, no. I was with a very, very important person in Jersey who was sort of, I don't know, the wife of the VIP of the... You know, the the Prince of Jersey, whatever, I was smashing the table. I was, it, it was not. This story's not getting any better, by the way. Go on. Oh, 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 it's not as bad as you know something even captains, to be honest. With. Outstanding, the one to watch with Fuller's London Pride, the outstanding Amber Eel. I think it's time for our, our outstanding feature, um, where we will pick one player from either side. Um, which will turn the game, um, which might win the game. Simon, who have you got your eye on? Um, not in the audience, and what about in the, uh, <laughs> on the pitch? I mean, is it, is it a change? Is it someone who hasn't necessarily featured that prominently but could be? Or I think I'm going to go with um, Mario Toje just because I've got the feeling that this is, he was very nearly going to be captain in this series. Safe paper. <laughs> very safe. <laughs> No, well, you're right. no, you are right. He's, uh, he's, uh, was he, well, he was, was good it, last week. Was he, I your, think man, good this was week. he your man of the match? Uh, I would give it to Laws last week, but very close with, with Mara. Uh, and I just feel like this is, is shaping up to be his series. I know he was, there was talking being captain, and I just feel like the, after last week, he's only going to well, get better. It'd be the first time he's ever been captain, but yeah, <laughs> that, that would be a start, wouldn't it, really? <laughs> but yes, he's an amazing player. Hendo, for you? Irishman. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I keep looking at you, Simon. You just remind me of Chesney Hawks, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Um, well, sorry, I, I really like him as well. Um, player. What, what are your top three favourite Chesney Hawks songs? Oh, he. I'll be honest with you. Chesney Hawks used to sing in Rock and Row on New Malden High Street with Captain Cod on New a Friday Malden night. High Street, didn't yeah, hundred percent. You could buy his CD then for one ninety nine. Right, and, what was and it? get a bag of sausage. Was there a special offer on special brew or something? Yeah, that's magnificent. That's true, by the way. Look that up. Um, player to watch. Um, I'm not going to be as obvious as, as, as Simon, um, but I think Mara Toji. No. Um, <laughs> from a South African perspective, Fafta Clerk is world class. World class. He can he can change a game. Um, Turn a game on a sixpence. He really can. I just think he's uh, he's there. The way the, the game is going to pan out and the tactics that are going to be there. I would like to see one of the front row be man of the match this weekend. And I think that everyone's talked about Courtney Laws. Everyone's talked about the resilience of Alan Wynn. Everyone's talked about um, obviously Marrow. Tyke Furlong last weekend was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And uh, and I'd like to see him in open space and get his river dance feet going again and and get through the through the. <laughs> through the breach but I think Mako or, or Tyg I think I'd love to see one of them get man of the match this weekend and stand up against the onslaught that's going to Benny come. There, was a, there, was a, there was a few moments in that first half last week where Faftoclerk was just starting to get under the skin of the Lions players we were giving away penalties early on in the game and the old golden unicorn was you know doing his thing and winding I, everyone up I, I, I totally just, agree just want to give him a little slap yeah but that's why he's so good a little flick and he looks so good as well so that hair yeah. what, what we'd do for hair like that but I, I to and that's the point. And apparently he smells what? like potpourri as well. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. What, what product do you use to get it to stand up like that? Me and Lawrence want some. Oh, I, no, I, I go back to that point. I think that's the plan of Razzi. He, he is sending his team out to wind the Lions up. And he thinks if they react, he's forced whoever, uh, Ben, ben O'Keefe to, to show a red card. And, and he, he's highlighted a few things that some of them are things that happen in rugby all, all the time, like that Tom Curry pushing in the scrum. Every, every single, you'd know, every single wing forward, when that happens in the scrum, slides up and, and puts pressure on the opposition prop. So he is just looking for something that winds up, it winds up the Lions and, and they'll take advantage. So Lions have to be uber disciplined, um, but Faf is an absolute nightmare. It, it can work one of either way because... 
some of the, some of his tackle technique is dubious yeah. to say say the least. He's so I love him as a player. I absolutely love watching him. He's box office because he plays in a way that his his appearance doesn't look you know like what? it's there going was, to. Uh, there was a bit of a worry in that first half that the way Ali Price was defending against Faf de Klerk was giving him a lot of space and time in that game. I mean, I wonder whether they might have learned a little bit from that. You know, you. For me, you've got to put as much pressure on that guy as you can and sort of get to him a little bit in the way that he likes to get to opponents. And I thought that whatever, for whatever reason, whether it's sort of passive defence, I thought we gave him way too much time at the base of the scrum, way too much sort of space at the base of the scrum. And I think they need to sort that out. Well, they gave him time and space at the base of the scrum. But if you look, how many clean breaks did Faftaclerk make in the match? Zero. How much he didn't he didn't make it he didn't make one so Ali Price has been told obviously by the coaching staff sit off let him make the decision and let our defence have faith and trust in your defensive line because just block him off at the pass eventually he, they're going to kick the ball through I don't and think he did that on a couple of occasions Faf doesn't make many breaks and I think part of his game plan is I'm going to wind you up so much you're going to fly out the defensive line to smash me and then he's really good at throwing those balls over the top and he, he's such a he's one of, he's a bit like George Gregan George Gregan was brilliant at bringing other people into the game, but he never really made that many breaks himself. And in 07, that was the tactic against him, win the quarterfinal, wasn't it? Let him run because his pace had gone by then, he was a bit old, and it worked a treat. And I think that's the same with the Lions. They have to almost let Faf go himself and and, and worry about his delivery and his his passing game. Um, Listen, that's all for this episode. Thank you very much to, to Ben, to Rob, to Simon, to all of you here at the Turk's Head, to all the staff at the Turk's Head. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, thank you very much. And to Fuller, thank you. Thank you. Lawrence Delalio's Lions podcast, brought to you in partnership with Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of the British and Irish Lions. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.